Welcome to Season 1, Episode 15 of the Echo Corpus Christi Podcast, the podcast featuring Corpus Christi's creators, makers, doers, and builders. Jordan Anderson is our guest on this episode. Jordan is the local president of Stewart Title Company and was raised in Corpus Christi from the time that she was nine years old. After graduating from Ray High School, Jordan moved to Dallas, San Antonio, back to Dallas, and then home to Corpus with her husband in 2005. She's a lawyer who practiced law with a local firm for a handful of years before starting both a family and a title company in 2010. Alongside her father-in-law, Jordan started Bay Area Title Services, which Jordan then grew into three offices in a booming business, a business doing so well that it was acquired by Stewart Title Company. Stewart Title Company is one of the oldest and biggest title insurance companies in the country. And not only has Jordan excelled in her leadership of Stewart Title Company, she's also volunteered a tremendous amount of time locally serving on local boards, including the Art Museum, the Regional Economic Development Corporation, the United Chamber of Commerce, and serving at her children's school. Jordan's story should inspire other local entrepreneurs that, through excellent customer service and putting others first, they too can build successful, attractive businesses here in Corpus Christi. Let's visit with Jordan. Well, Jordan, thank you so much for coming on the Echo Corpus Christi podcast. Well, thank you so much for having me, Rob. I'm excited to visit with you. So um, the first question that we cover on the podcast is always, what's your Corpus Christi story? Are you from Corpus or did you come here later in life? How did you get here and what's been your experience? So we, I moved to Corpus Christi with my mother and my brother when I was nine years old. <clears throat> so I started in the fourth grade here in Corpus Christi, but had grown up coming to Corpus my Mm -hmm. entire life because my family, my grandparents were here. I had cousins and aunts and uncles here. So Corpus was an extension of home for me always. And moved to Corpus Christi, uh, like I said, when I was nine, was here, Mm -hmm. went to London School, went to Hamlin Middle School, went to Ray High School, uh, graduated from Ray, moved to Dallas, went to SMU, Mm -hmm. spent a year in Austin realizing that my political science degree (laughs) was not worth the paper it was written on and went to law school in San Antonio. Met my future husband there. We had a little stint in Dallas before Mm -hmm. realizing that we wanted to make Corpus home. So moved back here in late 2005 and have been here ever since. And in hindsight now, almost 15 years Mm -hmm. later, I guess, best decision we made. We have created a pretty special and and purposeful life here, Mm -hmm. so we're real happy. That's one of the great things about (laughs) coming to a city like Corpus, I think, is that you really do have a lot of control over what you want to do with your life, um, especially with a family. What was it that attracted y'all you know, I know your husband's not a Corpus native either. What was it that attracted y'all to come to Corpus specifically from Dallas as opposed to any number of other cities you could have gone to? Yeah, so, um, well, my parents are here, okay. my mother and my stepfather, Alex, um, who have always been a really big part of my life. And, you know, like I mentioned, I went to college in Dallas. And then when we moved back after law school, um, very different world yeah. to be the grown up mm-hmm. uh, in the town that you went to college in. And so really just we took a long look at what we wanted our professional lives to mm-hmm. be like. And Corpus just checked a lot of those boxes for us. Opportunity, mm-hmm. ease, less of a race yes. um, in many perspectives. And, and knowing that we were going to start a family eventually mm-hmm. and being close to my family. Sure. We know all of our grandparents are out of town. Uh, we've and talked we can, about that. Yes. And I, I, I feel bad for you sometimes. <laughs> well, we, can, we can sympathize with the value of having uh, additional hands on deck for sure. 
that don't charge by the hour. Right, exactly. It's, it is very nice. My parents are, are retired and they're flexible, which is wonderful. And Jan's parents are, are close to that phase also and are also wonderful. But they're hours away versus right. minutes, and minutes right. would be nice for sure. It is so, nice. Mom, when you're listening, come on down. We're ready for you. <laughs> uh, so what did you do when you first got back here to Corpus? Did you jump right into the title world, or were you working in a different legal area? No, I worked for six and a half years at Anderson, Lehrman, Barre, and Murray, which was such an amazing place mm-hmm. to start a law career because each of the partners in that firm did something very different. And so I was able to have my hands in a ton of different types of civil litigation, um, which really allowed me to learn a lot, sure. um, wing it a lot, <laughs> um, make right. mistakes, yes. fix those mistakes. But really, you couldn't have asked for a better group of people to work for than at Anderson Lerman because they mm-hmm. really, I mean, let me take it and do with it what I needed to do, but with guidance and structure, and they were they were great. So I was there for six and a half years, and I had my first child in 2010. Okay. And that first year, being in the litigation world was tough. Um, I traveled, mm-hmm. not all the time, but enough that it was a little painstaking, and just started to kind of realize that maybe working in litigation wasn't how I wanted to spend my career and try to balance that with Mm -hmm. having this newborn child. And so we had started to look at getting back into the title business. My dad, Alex, had run a very successful title company here Mm -hmm. for years and had sold it when I was, I think, a junior or senior in college, right around that time. And he was looking to get back into the business. He'd been in the building business Mm -hmm. and um, so started to look at opportunities and ultimately finalized and purchased what is what was Bay Area Title Services um, in early 2010. Okay. So then I stayed at Anderson Lehrman for a full year, um, and Alex kind of ran the show at the title company as we were getting off the ground. Mm-hmm. And by getting off the ground, I mean like three contracts a month. Oh. So I had to stay at Anderson mm-hmm. Lehrman because that was where I got paid, right. and that's right. an important important part. But after that year, the company was doing well, and mm-hmm. Alex's building business was picking back up. Obviously, this was right kind of mid-financial crisis, sure. so the building business was not great, and um, the title business wasn't that great either, but we were starting to see some recovery. Mm-hmm. So it was at that time that I was able to leave the law firm and come to work at Bay Area Title Services full-time. So that was um, June of 2011, right after my daughter turned one. Okay. So throughout this time, was your husband, I know he's also a litigator, was he also actively traveling across the country and doing all those things too? So y'all were trying to kind of come to this balance of, we've got a child, we need to slow, we chose Corpus for a slower pace of life. How do we make that happen? Yes, 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 yes. Um, Yeah, it was kind of a perfect storm for us, actually. Austin was involved in some really um, large, intense litigation, Mm -hmm. and he was gone all the time. Um, That whole first year when Harlan was born, which was leading up to that, he'd also been gone working on the same case. And so really that was a big part of the thought process of me transitioning out and finding something else that was a little more manageable for me. And and he continued to travel. Mm -hmm. Uh, So yeah, but he and I both knew it was the right move for me. And also getting to go back and work with Alex. Sure. Um, he, you know, my parents got married when I was a senior in high school. Okay. 
And I have always admired Alex, and mm-hmm. he always had this ability, no matter what he tried to do, he did it well. And I really wanted to be a part of that. And and I liked the title insurance industry. I Since my parents married, you know, I, I Alex was in it, mm-hmm. and so I got to see it firsthand. And I just, I really admired the industry. Um, very female uh, centric, mm-hmm. lots of women in, in leadership roles mm-hmm. in the title business. And that was important, something that I thought was important. So let's talk about a little bit for the listeners, what is title insurance? Oh, what is title insurance? <laughs> and, I know people and, are like, is it something with a car? Right. And they, because, you know, you drive along the street and you see like pronto title right. insurance or whatever. And right. people are like, wait, I have to give them my car title and I get money. And then they take my car and I feel like I'm talking <laughs> to the repo man. You're not the repo woman. We are not. So what what is the title business that you're in in the first place? And then how does it matter to an individual? Like, why should they care about the title of business? So I think one of the greatest lines when you're selling title insurance is we provide peace of mind for what may be one of the most important transactions you ever make in Mm -hmm. your life, buying a home. Um, So what we do is we we provide a policy of insurance that ensures that your rightful ownership to the property mm-hmm. is indeed what it is on the paper. So for instance, you're buying a house. We go in, we do all the necessary research, we do a lot of logistical things regarding to your property taxes and making sure that everything's in a row and and how it should be mm-hmm. so that when you get your deed to your house, you know you own it. And somebody's not gonna come down three years later and say, hey, you know, that was my mother's house and somebody else sold it and you don't really own it. Mm -hmm. That's not what you ever want to hear. So in its most basic form, we provide peace of mind for for real property ownership. It can and usually is a lot more complicated than that, Mm -hmm. but but that's that's kind of it on its most basic level. And we we do transactions ranging from, you know, husband and wife's first home purchase mm-hmm. to multi-million dollar commercial transactions. Um, so we we, we kind of have our hands in all of that. So title insurance is basically part of any real estate transaction? Yes, a majority, uh, 90% probably. If, if you're buying and selling real estate in Texas, you're going to deal in, with a title insurance company, um, especially if you have a lender. Mm-hmm. Uh, lenders always require you to buy title insurance. Lenders like to have title sure. insurance. They want to make sure that what they've uh, given you money for is indeed going to stay with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so yeah, it's um, and really, especially in Texas, with our long and proud history of land ownership. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we in the title business in Texas have a lot of pride in what we do. I will say uh, one of my favorite experiences in law school was actually going to the local county records office and having to do a title search up and down in the title records. And the amount of history that you get exposed to is so fascinating for, for some people. I would well, confess to being one of those people that I think it's just well, it's super fascinating. That's really honestly one of the, my most favorite things about the title insurance business mm-hmm. is the puzzle that you can put together. Sure. Um, you know, kind of the messier, the more fun for some of us crazy people. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was in law school, my favorite classes were mortgages and oil and gas because you right. were always trying to figure it all out. Who had what and when and mm-hmm. why and who gets it now. So ironically, I've never actually been in the exam 
world of the title insurance business, although I pretend sometimes <laughs> and probably drive everybody mad. But um, but that is that is a fun little piece of it. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, and, and at Stewart Title and at Bay Area Title, we have historic plants. So mm-hmm. we have records dating back, you know, to sovereignty in right. some instances. So you can walk through our title plant and there are dusty old map books and dusty old maps and file cabinets full of cards mm-hmm. where you used to have to actually go in and do it by hand and look at records and pull them. Now, luckily, most of it's done you know, on your computer mm-hmm. at your desk, uh, but we still have those records available to us and it is kind of fun to play around in them. Absolutely, so I think that's a title plant kind of has some different meanings, um, one of which is literally a room full of dusty old documents that reflect a deed to a property potentially from when someone got it from, say, the Mexican government or the Spanish government, since we're here in South Texas right. or in East Texas, perhaps from the French, wherever it came from. And it's important from a homeowner's perspective or anybody that owns real estate to, to know that when they're buying something now, they're really buying, they're getting what they're paying for. They're right. getting the full title right. to the property. Right. And I think a lot of people that are listening will have had an experience buying a home and they know that they go to the title company office to sign a gigantic stack of documents. <laughs> yes. And I guess the title insurance policy has been secured by that point, but part of their signing is done at a title insurance company's office, generally speaking. So our listeners may have had some familiarity with that. Well, good. And I hope that if it was at Stewart Title or Bay Area Title, it was a pleasant and wonderful experience and if it wasn't you can send me a direct email and we'll fix it. Call me, we'll make it right for sure. So when you got involved in the early 2010s with Bay Area, how many employees did y'all have and then what kind of growth did you see over time before you got to where you are now? Yeah, so we started, let me kind of think back a little bit. We had um, Three escrow officers, one, two people in the title plant, and a business development person, okay. a marketing person, and then myself and Alex. And we we grew quick. Mm-hmm. I mean, Alex had um, such great relationships in the title insurance business that we were able to sway some people to leave their current positions to come and work for us. And so within the first two years of Bay Area Title Services, we'd established an office in Port Aransas. Mm-hmm. We'd established an office on Padre Island. And then we had our, we kind of hopped around in town to a couple of different places and then ultimately um, opened up our office on Staples. Okay. Um, so now we have so, so that was Bay Area Title Services. We had the three offices, mm-hmm. um, and we we just were blowing and going for a little, almost eight and a half years. Um, and the Stewart Title transaction, honestly, kind of came to me out of the blue. Mm-hmm. I wasn't expecting it. I wasn't. For, we weren't for sale. We were happy with what we were doing. Mm-hmm. But I was approached by some some friends in the industry that had gone to work for Stewart and. You know, when they first came to me, I thought, ah, no, thank you. We're good. Uh, But the more we talked and the more they talked uh, and the more Alex and I really thought about the future of our industry, it it just all started to make sense for us to Mm -hmm. to join with this large underwriter so as to secure us for the future and to secure our employees for their future as well. So a lot of our listeners have probably seen the name Stuart probably at your um, your offices around the various cities, but Stewart has a couple of different roles, right? In one sense, it is the policy seller, so it provides the policy, but then it has this 
massive underwriting arm to it as well. Does that, being part of the Stewart title sales office, if you will, and having as Stewart as the underwriter, does that make it smoother than it was at Bay Area where you probably had other underwriters or is it more complicated even though it's in-house altogether? Does that? That is a really good question, Rob, and I will answer it very carefully. Um, <laughs> there is a lot of benefit to being a direct operation of an underwriter. Okay. Um, there is a ton of corporate support mm-hmm. um, and that's been wonderful. Now, when you talk really specifically about getting dirty underwriting questions answered and making moves on files, I mean, there was some benefit to having to be able to go to several different underwriters to ask the question because some were, you know, a little more aggressive than others. Mm-hmm. But we have found, I mean, and we and we were an agent of Stewart also, mm-hmm. so before we even became a direct operation and their underwriting department is great. And you know, they're a 125-year-old company right. started in Texas. They are very proud of their Texas roots mm-hmm. and the business that they have established in Texas. And so they they know what they have to do to get the job done. And um, it's it's been uh, it's been a a fun and interesting and mm-hmm. very big learning experience I'm for sure. me I'm coming sure. into the family. So this was a different kind of sale, I guess, than what Alex experienced with his first title company, because that one, I believe, still carries its original name. It does. And what was the experience like for him, if you know, going from selling to I'll just call them individual investors the first time around versus selling to a large underwriter. A much more complicated due diligence okay. process. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, not that there wasn't one when Alex, you know, originally sold his company. Um, there was, but this, you know, this is a publicly traded corporation, mm-hmm. and I know I've mentioned to you that I was probably a little naive about <laughs> what that all entailed right. because in my adult life I was. A secretary for a year. Mm-hmm. I worked at Anderson, Lerman, Barry, and Murray, and I ran Bay Area Title Services. So I never answered to more than four people. Right. Um, and now I answer to a large conglomerate of people. And shareholders. Um, but but it um, yeah, and shareholders. But honestly, you know, Alex really when we were when we were in the process of selling Bay Area, he he was like, this is yours. Mm-hmm. You are making this decision. This is yours wow. to handle. And at first I was like, the heck? Right, Get what in are you here. talking about? Come on. Uh, but no, I mean, but he was there to provide guidance. Mm-hmm. But really, I'm glad he kind of stepped back and let me take on the leadership role mm-hmm. in that because ultimately, I mean, I was the one leading Bay Area Title right. Services and I right. was the one that was going to lead Stuart. And so um, it, it, was, um, it was a good process. Took longer than I had anticipated, mm-hmm. but um, that was just, I, again, you know, this is a big company with, I'm not their only, I wasn't the only one they were dealing with, I guess, at that time. So, Is, is your office here with Stewart the only agency that it's purchased in town, or Bay Area the only agency that it's purchased in town, or is that part of its growth model, Stewart's growth model, where they've been buying other agencies as well? Uh, so at present, we are the only acquisition that Stewart has ever made in Corpus Christi. Okay. And from my perspective, now that I'm leading <clears throat> Stewart Title in Corpus mm-hmm. Christi, I am very open to growth. Now, what that means and what that looks like, I, I don't know what that is, mm-hmm. uh, other than I know that I want to grow and I want to add more people. Stewart as a whole actually 
has really had kind of its own interesting year. Um, you know, I was kind of down here in my bubble having mm-hmm. an interesting year sure. um, transitioning from Bay Area to Stewart. On a corporate level, Stewart was involved in big negotiations with Fidelity, mm-hmm. which is the largest title insurance underwriter. Um, they were set to merge. Everything was rocking along until it didn't. And so the merger was called off. And so now Stewart's going through some big corporate changes as well. Mm-hmm. And you know, if we'd done this podcast two weeks from now, I would have gone to my leadership meeting in right. Houston and had all these great big visions. But uh-huh. but when you really get down to the basics of it, you know, Stewart is a big, giant corporation. Mm-hmm. But here in Corpus Christi, we are a local company with right. local people. We want to grow in this market, which is, as you look around, mm-hmm. growing with us. Right. And, and we're, we're ready to, you know use our momentum to jump on what's happening in Corpus Mm -hmm. Christi. What do you think it was that made Bay Area attractive to Stewart among the, I'm going to guess, five or six other uh, locally owned agencies here that sold title policies? You know, we, I think we were just the right size. Um, We weren't too big. We weren't Mm -hmm. too small. We had really, really, and have really, really great people that work for us. Mm -hmm. I can't, I couldn't say that enough times. Our, our staff at Bay Area was top-notch mm-hmm. and like family. And I think, you know, I was kind of lucky to, the people that I that I dealt with in my, in the transaction were colleagues of mine that I'd known um, in yeah, the industry good. for a long mm-hmm. time. And so they knew that they could come to me and we could have a really frank conversation about what something like this could look like. Um, you know, I hate to ever say like, there's there's always a plan, but sure. I do feel like timing oh, yeah. is everything and yeah. timing for both Stuart and for Bay Area was mm-hmm. really spot on in that moment. So I, I, I understand exactly what you mean. It is, it is hard to believe that, um, that things left to chance that work out don't actually have some more eternal plan mm-hmm. in mind, mm-hmm. but um, it is always fun to be a part of something that is occurring at the right place at the right time. It just feels, it's kind of like, you know, when, in your case, when someone proposes to you, in my case, when I propose to somebody, there's just that kind of moment where you're like, you know what, this actually, this feels like it's the right thing to do. And you just, it's, you know, some people say the stars align, some people say it was God's movement, whatever it happens to be, it's exciting to be a part of it. It is exciting to be a part of it. To just have that kind of clarity, like, hey, this is the right thing to do. I'm going to just jump on and we're going to see where it takes us. Well, and Austin and I've talked a lot about, you know, we've been so blessed with, you know, we work really hard, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, he works really hard. I work really hard. Mm -hmm. And we talk about like when you, when you work hard and when you are always trying to do better and be better and become more successful, opportunities just, absolutely true. they don't, by no means do they fall in your lap, but you're you're more open to mm-hmm. them. You you can see them and take advantage of them. And and we've been so lucky in that regard, just to have incredible opportunities, great timing of mm-hmm. same, and um, have have really been very lucky in that regard. Well, and I think if if I can speak directly to Bay Area, and you know we're we've only been in Corpus now about five and a half years, but or four and a half years, but we understood the reputation of Bay Area to be of of good quality people that do an excellent job with great customer service. And I know, speaking specifically within the title industry, that's how you differentiate yourself because the the state sets the rates you can charge. That is correct. But then I think that applies to couples like you in Austin who do see success. There's hard work, but you also treat people well along the way, 
right? And I think treating people well along the way helps to open a lot of the doors that the hard work allows you to see as an opportunity. It's the way you treated people all along that really helped those doors swing wide swing open. Swing wide open. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more. And and we did, we we certainly prided ourselves on that at Bay Area Title mm-hmm. and continue to do so now as Stuart. And, and really, that's the same way we've always kind of lived our lives is you got to be kind and you've got to treat people with respect. And if you don't, mm-hmm. then, you know, you're you'll suffer for it. I think there really is a a pay it forward element in life. You know, it's not it's not so much that you're guaranteed success or that you're guaranteed good outcomes just because you're a good person and a nice person to other people, but there's a bit of joy, frankly, that just comes from being nice to somebody. It, yes. Know, and and seizing the opportunity to do that. Sometimes it does lead to financial success, but more often than not it just leads to interpersonal success. Good. It makes you feel good yes. and you get the opportunity then to Hopefully, pay it. You've paid it forward to that person to whom you were nice, and then they go and do the same thing to others. And you know, I think that makes and, and creates a better environment. That's one of the things that I love about Corpus and, and Texas as a whole. I had a different experience living in Dallas than you did. Perhaps I, I probably speak more negatively about my time in Dallas. However, that being said, Texas as a whole does a pretty good job as a as a region of people from all different walks of life being genuinely kind to each other. I I agree. I agree. And I do. I think Corpus Christi, we were talking about this, actually. Um, one of the things people look for when they're moving to a new city is the openness mm-hmm. of the city. And I think um, that we, as Corpus Christians, do a really good job of opening our arms to new people as they come in mm-hmm. um, and embracing them and making them feel a part of something. At least that's what I've always tried to do. And um, I, I think that as a whole, we do the same. I agree wholeheartedly. And I think it's nice kind of up the road from where we're sitting now in your downtown office is Surfing Jesus at First Methodist. Yeah. And um, as fun as it is to say we have Surfing Jesus in Corpus, his outstretched arms do kind of reflect what our city does for both its native Corpus Christians and for newcomers like you and me coming here at different parts in our life, obviously, but we are welcomed with those kind of open arms from the residents of the city, and it's it's reassuring to have that memento as we drive ourselves home every day. I, I couldn't agree more. And, you know, my mom, we were we went to the Methodist church at the time in which mm-hmm. Surfing Jesus was brought to us, and my mom will say that we haven't really had a bad hurricane since Surfing Jesus has been erected. <laughs> so those outstretched arms are not only welcoming, they're also protecting us. And let's well just be. do a little right. wood knock right there, too. <laughs> That's also a good call. So let's talk a little bit um, about now that we've gotten through the transition to Stewart. Um, let's talk a bit about your opportunities that you've had to serve in the community. And we can kind of even go back to when you first moved down here, I'm sure, knowing as what happens to lawyers a lot and to many other professionals, people want you to serve on boards yes. and get involved in that way. So what have been some of the ways you've had an opportunity to serve in the community like that? Uh, well, first of all, I have to thank my mom and Alex because both of them have always been servant leaders and have always availed themselves to to being a part of mm-hmm. community things. So I had good role models in that regard. Um, yeah, so when we moved back to Corpus, I got real involved with the Coastal Bend Young Lawyers Association mm-hmm. or Corpus Christi Young Lawyers Association. So I did that for a while. And then um, I have always loved the Art Museum mm-hmm. in South Texas. It has been, and in my opinion, I think, well, you can't really see it from here, but mm-hmm. probably one of the finest 
establishments in Corpus Christi, if not in Texas, mm-hmm. especially um, in the art world. So I basically just showed up at their door and was like, <laughs> can I do anything? What right. can I do? And I uh, started getting involved there and uh, ended up serving on their board mm-hmm. and um, was lucky enough to serve as their chairman mm-hmm. two years in a row, which doesn't typically happen, but there were some strange circumstances mm-hmm. that... Um, I was privileged to do that. Um, And so once I got involved at the art museum, you know, you meet more people Mm -hmm. and more people introduce you to other people and you get on different boards. Mm -hmm. And so um, I I have been involved in a lot, sometimes much to the chagrin of my husband. He's like, really? Another (laughs) Another thing? And I'm like, yeah, but this is is great. Absolutely. Um, But I've loved it. I've loved every second of it. Mm -hmm. You know, I used to be real involved with Driscoll Children's Hospital. Mm -hmm. I sit on the foundation board for Spawn. Um, So there's certainly a large charitable element in what I like to do and what I like Mm -hmm. to give back to my community. I'm super involved at my kids' school, Mm -hmm. which is good because they know that I know. Right. And it also uh, makes me feel good to help. Sure. Um, but I've also gotten involved in, in some more civic type of mm-hmm. organizations. I've served on the board of the Corpus Christi Regional Economic Development Corporation for mm-hmm. the last several years. And um, as long as they approve the slate at our annual board meeting, I will be vice chair of the Regional Economic Development Corporation. Um, and I also serve on the executive committee and on the board of the United Corpus Christi Chamber mm-hmm. of Commerce, which is kind of a new thing for me. I, Alex was Mr. Chamber sure. forever, and I, I, I wasn't real involved in the chamber and, then, and have been now over the past year and now sit on the executive committee. I'm super excited about being involved with the chamber having John LaRue mm-hmm. as our director is, I think, going to be a really great thing for us at the chamber going forward. <laughs> so Mr. LaRue, I believe, is he the former port, is he no, president, he, commissioner, director? I don't know what his title was. was. He ran CEO the port. Okay, the port. CEO yeah, of the port. Yeah. So that gives him a lot of good experience, especially now as we see the port getting ready to go through some major changes. Not only do we see the bridge being physically built, and if we read the newspaper, we get to see I know the Caller Times has been reporting diligently on Corpus and Port Aransas having their squabbles. And uh, I want to know a little bit more about the difference between what the chamber does and what the Economic Development Corporation does. I don't know that, you know, listeners probably have heard of the Chamber of Commerce. They've probably been to maybe their salon that they go to as a member of the chamber. But what is different between the chamber, which is a business development group, and the Economic Development Corporation, which is also a business development group for the region. So, in my in my head, and mm-hmm. the way I would explain it, um, you, you know, the United Corpus Christi Chamber is here to serve the businesses of Corpus Christi, okay. big, small, um, everywhere in between. Mm-hmm. They are a conduit for networking. They are a conduit for resources. And one of the biggest pieces they play is in their lobbying efforts on behalf of our region at the state capitol. Mm-hmm. You've probably seen in the news a lot about the rate hikes that the TWIA was mm-hmm. trying to impose. And the chamber fought diligently to oppose those rate hikes and, and was successful in those efforts. So I think what people need to know and why they need to know that the United Corpus Christi Chamber is important, and if they own a business, why it should be a mm-hmm. member of the United Corpus Christi Chamber, is that the advocacy that goes on behind the scenes is 
believe me, your membership dollars are well spent. Absolutely. You're spending very little to get a big return mm -hmm. um, because these people are out there fighting for you and for your business and what's best for our business community in Corpus Christi. Um, the Regional Economic Development Corporation kind of casts a much bigger net. They are the vehicle that is driving um, large scale economic development projects mm -hmm. to our area either with direct marketing efforts for a specific type of industry mm -hmm. or providing industry that comes in with information and resources to, mm -hmm. to determine if this is the right place for them to, to set up shop, to become a primary employer. And so the EDC works on a much bigger scale mm -hmm. when it comes to that recruiting and uh, business retention type of of elements when mm -hmm. you're talking about economic development. So Economic Development Corporation is kind of recruiting for the region and then the chamber is more support and advocacy for those that are here. That is correct. That's a with perfect the, way to describe it. Thank you. <laughs> so with the, um, with for what our listeners have seen, things like the new Saudi Exxon development over in San Patricio County and the steel, steel dynamics thing coming in and some of the other big industrial stuff, does that fall as a, is that a consequence of the efforts of the chamber, or is that a consequence of the efforts of the Economic Development Corporation, or is there significant overlap? Those are consequences of the efforts of the CCREDC, okay. as well as the San Patricio County mm -hmm. EDC, working in conjunction to really um, drive those projects here, make, make the packages as um, attractive as they possibly mm -hmm. can be to benefit the companies, but to benefit our counties as well. I mean, ultimately, we we are the ones that are going to benefit from, mm -hmm. from this boom of development. And is that one of the reasons that San Patricio EDC and the Corpus Christi RADC are, as we've seen reported in the news, talking about a merger or some sort of partnership working together? Yeah, It yes. Um, it From a regional standpoint, it in my perspective, it makes sense for there to be kind of one overarching economic development corporation that is there has the region's best efforts mm -hmm. in mind. You know, I I grew up in Corpus Christi. I mean, there was there's not much difference when you drive over the bridge. I right. mean, Portland may be smaller, but we all look the same. We all talk the same. Mm -hmm. We're not separate. Um, and when these you know primary employers are coming in, it. it they may be building their plant in San Patricio County, mm -hmm. but a majority of their employees are going to live in Corpus Christi. So really, our entire region is affected in a positive way. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the the conversations between the two EDCs um, really have been super positive in moving toward a more unified approach to how we, you know, how we see our future and and what kind of industry we want to bring mm -hmm. in. You know, we've been so lucky to be the beneficiaries of these big projects. And so, you know, in my opinion, and I, I think there's others that share this with me, is like now we can be a little choosy. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we we've got we've got a lot a lot of things in the pipeline that are going to be really great for our area. And um, I mean, I think there's more to come. And a and a regional mindset for that, I think, is the best path forward for all of us. Well, and I'm, I'm glad you mentioned your opinion a moment ago. I'll just go ahead and say for the record here that these are your opinions. This is not speaking on behalf of either the chamber or the EDC or San Patricio EDC, but 
you do have a, sp a special insight simply because you you serve on the board, so you get some exposure. But nothing that we're talking about here on the podcast is private information, confidential information. It's all public knowledge. It's all knowledge. public knowledge, yes, and indeed my opinions. <laughs> <laughs> do you see, I know that we have in Corpus a, a, a large number of independent entities that are working to develop either spe specific areas of town or specific areas of the region. So we have the downtown management district and the C district. We have... Um, or I guess the Marina Arts District is the right name for it. And then we have the United Chamber, and we have probably chambers over in Portland and other places, and then we also have the EDC. Is there a group of folks that are either formally or informally working among all of those individual entities to help kind of pull the same direction, or are a lot of these groups working in silos and, uh, and doing good work but within their own particular category of effort? Um, so I think that there is um, a lot of agreement within all of the different organizations that you just mentioned to have a more broad way of working together. Okay. I think up until this point, everybody has worked really well together. Mm -hmm. but, but I think, and in my opinion, there does need to be... Um, kind of a place for everyone to come together so that everybody knows what's going on and what's happening and where there are opportunities. Mm -hmm. You know, um, you may not know what the downtown management district can right. provide you and, and you need to be able to know that. And as a chamber, we need to be able to know that. So I think that there is a real push from, from all of those organizations that know and understand that working together makes us more effective. And I think we're I think we're getting to a place where that's that's happening. Mm -hmm. Something that I've been reading about lately, and kudos to maybe it was Sarah on the EDC staff that put together the Opportunity Zone map. Yes. But I've been reading and learning a bit more about those lately. And just for a quick overview for the listeners, it's basically a tax bill that allows um, individuals who have made gains on other investments to invest in areas of cities um, across the country that have areas of cities across the country that need economic development. So it defers taxes and some other things that gets kind of wonky that we don't need to get into. But I know that there's a big overlay in Corpus, especially overlay of downtown of Opportunity Zone. And are, do you as the, or does the EDC or any of the other groups that are working for the development of the downtown area, is that a particular, I hate to say the word opportunity because that's in the title right, of the thing, right. but is that, is that a, an avenue that we're actively pursuing um, investment in. Absolutely. And Sarah Tyndall at the EDC has done a fantastic job of creating a website that speaks specifically mm -hmm. to how the opportunity zones work, where they are, how you can get more information about them. Um, and I, I hope I get this right. And Christine and Sarah at the EDC may tell me I got it wrong, but we're <laughs> hosting, um, we are hosting here in Corpus Christi um, members of the Trump administration that are coming down to talk specifically about opportunity zones. And um, we're just so perfectly situated to mm -hmm. host that because we do have a lot of opportunity Absolutely. in our opportunity zones. Um, so that's that's pretty exciting mm -hmm. for us to be able to, to host that. And I think I'll just say that this, again, this might be getting a little wonky, but it is neat. I've looked at the maps in other cities, and I'll just use Austin as an example. So Austin divided by 35. You have East Austin, which is where the opportunity zones lie. But then downtown is just across or just under the expressway, and it's really not that different <laughs> from East Austin. But in Corpus, 
we have the overlay that just sits smack dab on top of our downtown. So for investors coming to look at either investing in equity, making equity investments in companies that are headquartered in the zones or in real estate that's in the zones, we can do that in our downtown. Whereas other cities like uh, Austin, those investors aren't investing in things that are happening in downtown Austin. They have to invest outside. And I think that makes gives us a pretty cool opportunity in Corpus to say, hey, you're getting, come, come visit, come see the development that's already occurring in our downtown. And then, oh, by the way, there's this major economic tax incentive to invest in things that are happening in our downtown. Yeah, I, I'm so excited to see what's going to happen mm-hmm. in the next five to ten years in Corpus. You know, we, I grew up here, like I said, since I was nine. And, I mean, coming back, even when I first moved back home, not much had changed. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, nothing had changed. <laughs> um, but that's what's been so exciting, mm-hmm. especially in the last five years, is so much is changing and so right. much is coming. And this is going to sound so silly, but I, I laugh. It still makes me laugh that when the Chipotle opened mm-hmm. and I texted all my girlfriends from college right. and they were like, "Is this? are you really that excited? <laughs> I said, I really am. Absolutely. I feel like where there's Chipotle, they will be more. Right. But I mean, no, really, the things that are happening here on a on a micro level mm-hmm. like Chipotle and on a massive industrial level like Gulf Coast Growth Venture mm-hmm. um, is is really exciting for us in this area. I, I, I really, and even, you know, Alex, he, he always, you know, oh, that's never going to happen. Right. Oh, that's never going to happen. But even he sees now mm-hmm. that this is all happening. Like it is gonna happen, and we are just need to embrace it mm-hmm. and make good decisions for for us, for our environment, for our growth, for jobs. And and I think I think I think we're right there. Well, it is exciting to watch the investment locally occur. As you see, a lot of these companies, you see what's happening at Water Street, for example, and and other companies that have roots here that are growing with their roots here. But then there is a bit of a stamp of approval when a national chain like a Chipotle comes in or, you know, Dave and Buster's or Razoo's coming in at the mall. Those stamps of approval say, well, we watch what's happening with the industrial development and we watch what's happening with the other growth opportunities that are occurring in Corpus Christi. And we know that that's going to attract more people and perhaps more importantly to those that are bringing in their, their chains. We know that there's going to be more money yeah. and more money is going to be, you know, I've heard the stat that when you 70% of what you spend locally stays locally, I believe that's probably with local businesses, it stays locally, but nonetheless, a big chunk of money that is spent locally stays locally. And I think when you see these companies coming in, they're saying, hey, we think there's going to be more money spent in town. And that's kind of the rising tide lifts all boats. You know, we see we see that kind of growth and it's exciting to watch. It is. And really going back to what you said about the local businesses that are just I am so proud of the things that have been developed mm-hmm. by our local residents in Corpus Christi. I mean it's it is so great to see. I'm from restaurants to bars mm-hmm. to shops, um, it really is. It really is exciting. We always used to say, growing up, like you know, well, that nothing like that would ever happen. It's still corpus. It's yeah. what, where corpus? That can't uh-huh. be a corpus. But now, I mean, we're, it's starting to be like you can't say that anymore right. because it really is. It's here in corpus, mm-hmm. and um, it's it's exciting. Well, and that's one of the reasons I really wanted to to get you on the podcast was because you've shown that you can grow a company locally and it can get it can become such an attractive investment that a one of the largest players in an industry comes in and acquires it and we don't see a lot of that kind of 
I'll just call it mergers and acquisition activity. We don't see a lot of that kind of activity occurring typically in Corpus. A lot of times what we see is something headquartered somewhere else building a facility here, which we love and which is great because that does provide good paying jobs and it supports our local economy. But for entrepreneurs in the city to get to see, hey, these two local entrepreneurs, Jordan and her stepfather, started this company and Jordan grew it and then she was able to have it acquired by a major corporation. That's inspiring to folks who are thinking, gosh, I can actually start a business in Corpus Christi. And if my exit plan is ultimately being acquired, it's happened before. Yeah. And there's a blueprint for that, even if it, even if they're starting something in a different industry. Jordan's done it. There's a blueprint for that now. We know that that too can happen in Corpus. And then that starts to grow a whole new entrepreneurial environment in Corpus Christi, which is super exciting. That it is super exciting. And that just made me feel really good, Rob. Thank you. <laughs> well, I think validation it's a big, well, on this Thursday. I, you know, I wasn't, I, I mean it and sincerely because it is, you know, you, you hear about these things. I love to listen to startup podcasts and, and read about that kind of venture capital world going on in other mm -hmm. cities. And you don't see a lot of that happening in Corpus. But it also didn't used to happen in San Antonio, right. my hometown. And then suddenly it did. It took one major thing, which is rack space, right. um, although not acquired, going public, and then all the machinations it's gone through since then. But you see what happened. You get a couple of investors that built a company like that, a couple of entrepreneurs that built a thing up, then it gets acquired. Now they take what they've been able to do there and they help other people do the same thing. And now we are in Corpus going to benefit from what was happening in San Antonio because our city council wisely hired Mr. Zanoni mm -hmm. and brought him down from San Antonio. He got to be a part of what was happening in the decade of downtown in San Antonio. And I know this is a little off track, but it's exciting to start to see those kinds of things take place here. And Bay Area being acquired by Stewart is one of those um, flags in the sand that says, hey, look, it can happen in Corpus too. Yeah. And oh, by the way, we also have amazing natural resources that if people would just come and see what happens here and how awesome it is to live here, they're going to want to build a company here too. I could not agree more. And big shout out to Peter Zanoni. I think he is one of the best things to happen for Corpus Christi in a long time, and I'm super excited mm -hmm. about his leadership at the city. Well, and then we get we get Judge Canales on the county-wide scale. I think we're Absolutely. at a pretty exciting time from a political position to see some positive changes in the bureaucracy that we've had here in Corpus. Absolutely. So, talk a little bit personally. You know, you have I know you have two kids, uh, and what are what are things that you and your husband and family love to do in Corpus, or what are y'all excited about getting the opportunity to do in the future in Corpus? Um, Yes, so I have a daughter, Harlan, who's nine and in fourth grade, and a son, Finley, who is seven and in first grade. Mm. And, you know, we, I mean, we try to enjoy every aspect of Corpus. Mm -hmm. We have a, a little beach house in Port Aransas that we spend, or used to spend a lot of time <laughs> at. Um, we also just built a house, so we're spending right. a lot of time there. Um, but, but, you know, we, what I love for my family is our friends mm -hmm. that we have here in Corpus Christi. Um, we have such an amazing group of friends made up of people who I may have known since I was a child mm -hmm. to people that are new to Corpus Christi that have become good friends to couples that, you know, Austin and I have gotten to know together. Right. And we all live within 10 minutes of each other. Mm -hmm. I, one of my best friends that's in Austin, she always talks about how jealous she is of the fact that we can get to our right. people so quick. She's right. like, for me, it's like 30 minutes in traffic mm -hmm. to get anywhere. And I, I think that that's so great. And we we have a just a, a great group of friends. We love the water. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we love being outside. Um, 
we love to travel, all the things. Mm -hmm. And uh, and Corpus kind of gives us the opportunity to do that. Um, you know, it's it's fun to get away and it's fun to come home. Do you feel like y'all have achieved your goal goals from when you moved here in 2005 of finding a better pace of life and being able to start and spend more time with family? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I'm five minutes from my home to my office. Even if I have to go across town to Staples, mm -hmm. nothing takes longer than 20, 20 minutes. That's what we've always said. That's nothing takes longer thing. than 20 minutes. Right. Just get there in 20 minutes. It's a beautiful thing. Um, yeah, we really have. We really have found and struck what I think is the best balance we possibly could or can. Mm -hmm. And um, we love it here. We're here to stay. Well, I think uh, I thank you so much for taking time out of your lunch hour to visit with us. We really appreciate it. You're welcome. It was a pleasure. Jordan's experience can be duplicated and should inspire others to repeat it in the industries they are in. As Jordan has shown, Corpus is a great place for business and a great place for family. She is an excellent resource for other entrepreneurs and business owners in Corpus. You can also learn more about Jordan in the October 2019 issue of The Bend magazine, where she was profiled as one of the Her 2019 nominees. To learn more about Stuart Title, visit stuarttitle.com. Please remember to follow us on Instagram at Echocorpus and to subscribe to this podcast wherever you are listening. Thank you to Jordan for taking time to visit with us. Thank you to our infrastructure partners, the Sound Guys, Clint Tucker Homes, and Sawyer Audiology. And thank you for taking time to listen.